Welcome to Sanity, a podcast to help you keep yours in today's divisive global climate. I'm your host, Audrey Scagnelli, and I hope you'll join me in this quest for optimism in a post-2016 world. I'm speaking right now with Keith Chen. He's the Associate Professor of Economics at UCLA's Anderson School of Management. And earlier this year, he conducted a pretty fascinating study about the duration of Thanksgiving dinner conversations. They're on the decline, and there's a direct correlation between the decline and the 2016 election. Keith Chen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm I'm excited about your work. To start the conversation, I would just love to ask a little bit about what your findings were from this this really interesting study analyzing the duration of of dinner table conversation around the holidays. Just to give people background and and to give you a way to contextualize it, what my student Ryan and I do in some recent work is we kind of look at large sets of anonymized smartphone location data. So basically this is without knowing who people are, we kind of know where smartphones are, you know, for a very, very large sample, like tens of millions of Americans. And, uh, and we can see both where they are at given points in time and then like where they were in the past and where they're moving and roughly speaking, then who they associate with. We wanted to use that data to get insight into this question of is political polarization, um, can we measure how much it's harming kind of close family relationships? I mean, you we all see the, you know, the, the kind of state of dialogue on social media, like on Twitter and on Facebook, you know, becoming increasingly politically acrimonious. But, but what we were interested in asking was whether or not that extends to, to kind of some of our more private kind of a, and, and face-to-face interactions. And we thought a good lens for that would be Thanksgiving dinner, because as you know, like in the United States, it's traditionally a holiday where family members kind of will travel, you know, somewhat great distances and, and they'll spend time together over this kind of, kind of a reflective mood with each other over, over these dinners. And as we all know, you know, you can't choose who your family is. And, um, you know, increasingly kind of these partisan divides are cutting across family dinners. In this study, you really did look through a massive quantity of data. I, I believe it was 21 billion pings of devices in November 2016. So how How did you go about kind of mining through this significant amount of information to draw the conclusions specific to the duration of the meal being shorter? In a nutshell, what we did was the following. You know, we don't want to identify people and and violate kind of confidentiality of of data, but you know, what we did was for for a really, really large percentage of smartphones in the United States, we tried and take decent guess at like how that person um, voted in the 2016 election. And the way we did that was basically trying to basically kind of figure out what voting precinct a person lives in. And, you know, I mean, especially now with the like recounts in Florida and everything, we, we kind of all know how precincts work. You know, you vote in this post office because you live here and somebody two blocks away votes at, you know, an elementary school because they're in a different precinct. It turns out precincts in the United States are incredibly polarized. Almost nobody lives on the same block as a significant number of people who voted differently than them. So once we kind of have a good sense of what precinct you live in, we have a pretty good 
of uh, how you voted in the 2016 election. And th- from there, the computation is pretty simple. What we're interested in is if we see a family that, say, travels from, say, like an 80% Clinton voting, 20% Trump voting precinct to go eat Thanksgiving dinner with, say, like an 80% Trump voting and a 20% Clinton voting precinct, you know, a family member who lives in a, a very different precinct, there's a few questions we can ask. One, how long is that Thanksgiving dinner? Like, how long do we see them, like, before they leave leave for home again? Two, is that Thanksgiving dinner shorter than other Thanksgiving dinners in their area? Three, is that Thanksgiving dinner shorter than that same family's Thanksgiving dinner in 2015? And four, probably unsurprisingly, but I can tell you the quantity, um, you know, like doing those first few comparisons, what we find is that opposite voting Thanksgiving dinners in 2016 were 47, on average in the United States, 47 minutes shorter than that same family's Thanksgiving dinner in 2015. And then, you know, this fourth comparison I was talking about, the other thing we can look at is whether or not political advertising seems to make that effect worse. Mm -hmm. And um, the way to think about that is you know, so I live in Los Angeles, and basically nobody in California sees a presidential campaign ad because California is just, it's not a swing state. But if you lived, for example, in the same media market as, as Orlando, or more broadly, if you lived anywhere in Florida, you know, in 2016, 27,000, you know, in every media market, over 20,000 kind of presidential political ads aired in your, on your local television. I'm from Florida, and I can very much relate to that. Growing up, I remember seeing a lot of political campaign ads. It may have even uh, subconsciously influenced my interest in the political world, although something tells me if I was growing up in Florida right now, maybe, <laughs> maybe it would have the opposite effect. Maybe it would be the opposite? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's something that's um, foreign to people who don't live in swing states, but for, you know, over half a year, that's basically all you see, right, ads for is, is kind of political ads. And what we find is that it has a huge effect. And, you know, what's interesting is that you can really kind of nail down that causality, that it's really the political ads because media markets are these really lumpy things, right? If you want to buy political ads that are going to that are going to air on broadcast television, you're not allowed to buy them in any smaller units than media markets. And these media markets are actually quite large. So what we can also do is like look at small little towns just on opposite boundaries, on mm. opposite sides of a media market boundary, like That's two cool. small towns less than a mile apart. But, you know, this town the same ads as Orlando and this other town doesn't. And, you know, people bought a lot of ads to air in Orlando. Going to that micro level, you were able to pull data and see the difference between the amount of time someone spent at the Thanksgiving table, just based on, you know, being a couple blocks outside one media market or the other. Absolutely. In the, you know, as, as you pointed out earlier, you know, there's, there's, um, in terms of total number of views of smartphone locations, anonymized smartphone locations, you know, we have like several billion to come through, 21 billion to come through in just November 2016. And, and we also kind of merged in November 2015 for that kind of year prior Thanksgiving comparison. The level of statistical accuracy that allows us to do is basically to say at, at its finest grain level, well, let's find pairs of families, the traveling families, you know, live within a mile of each other. 
the destination families where those traveling families are going to eat Thanksgiving dinner live within a mile of each other. But, um, you know, one of those sets of families were identical voting. They either both voted for Trump or both voted for Clinton. Or one of those sets of families, um, you know, is a divided family and, and like, you know, hold the comparison to that level of granularity. And also, like, you know, as, as you stated, these very fine levels of granularity across different experiences with political advertising because of media market boundaries. And basically what we find is the effect of partisanship on Thanksgiving dinner in 2016 on average was about a 47 minutes, a 47 minute reduction in a roughly four and a half hour average Thanksgiving kind of visit. And that increases to more than an hour and a half in areas with heavy political advertising. So as, as you experience in Florida, it's, it's more than twice as bad, the kind of reduction in Thanksgiving time. were a Republican, likely Republican voter visiting another likely Republican voter family. Was there a difference there as well? So no. So that's, that's the, the kind of amazing thing. So politically matched family Thanksgiving dinners did not decline, you know, didn't decline significantly between 2015 and 2016, which also helps us really kind of, in some sense, you know, peg this on partisanship. It's right. kind of mixed Thanksgiving, you know, call it like mixed party Thanksgiving dinners that systematically got shorter. There's also kind of interestingly slightly different effects for, for Democrats versus Republicans. So what we find is that likely Democratic voters were less likely to even travel for Thanksgiving at all in 2016 than in 2015. Um, there was a decline in about, by about like seven percentage points in willingness to travel for Thanksgiving dinner amongst likely Democratic voters and no change amongst likely Republican voters. So, so I mean, it's just kind of a story, but you could imagine that after this incredibly bruising election, you know, Democrats expected, you know, they were told they were going to win. The polls told them they were going to win. The New York Times needle was, you know, swinging heavily in their direction. And then they wake up in the morning and expecting to wake up, you know, to the first female president and instead, you know, wake up to very much not that. So that kind of kick in the gut seemed to have kind of made Democratic voting kind of families especially if, you know, in years past, traditionally visited Republican voting family members for Thanksgiving dinner, slightly less likely to be willing to travel at all. On the other hand, once they got there, once kind of these kinds of cross-partisan families get together, we find that Republicans cut short their stays much, much more than Democratic families do almost twice as large a reduction in time for the Thanksgiving dinner when a Republican voting household travels to eat with a Thanksgiving voting household. Now, we can't tell whether that's push or pull, right? Whether or not, like, you know, the, the, um, the, host the dinner the gets awkward. And, yeah. Right. It's just absolutely fascinating. I've been reflecting recently on Civil War era divides that families faced, and I wish that we could replicate this kind of study and see see if there was a similar effect leading up to the Civil War. Oh my God, absolutely. How long did it take you to get to comb through this to come to these conclusions? You know, fortunately, I work at the University of California and, you know, we have uh, very, very powerful computers. But, you know, despite that, this, this work was really at the kind of limits of what we're capable of doing currently in, in this kind of a big data setting. I mean, you know, analyses, you know, that I'm much more used to taking a day in kind of other work of mine. These, these kinds of statistical analyses take months to run. Mm -hmm. It doesn't surprise me, and I am 
very curious to see what what 2018 will look like and if there's even a you know in 2017 there wasn't an election and November is the month for elections every two years in this country for the midterms in the general and so I, I wonder what the effect is going to be in for this year and it'd be interesting to look at look at 2017 as well you know if you want to if you want to throw a couple more months of months of time into combing through more data. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we plan to because because um, I'm all in on this question. I think it's a really, really kind of important question because, you know, you might have, I don't know, maybe I'm being over-optimistic, but you might have thought that Thanksgivings are a time when you're kind of forced to to actually speak, to, to kind of engage in political dialogue with people who potentially disagree with you, but who you just can't like walk out on, right? I mean, you know, th- this is, right. this is th- these are family members. Yeah, and you might, you might have thought that this is a, a, a really important kind of time when, when we can be really reflective and to find that that kind of is harmed by partisanship, you know, really kind of, you know, that was, it was a, uh, it was a result I was expecting to find, but not nearly at the magnitude that we found it at. Mm. Um, there's a lot of kind of research and work in academia on the degree to which partisanship makes kind of public institutions more difficult. You know, Congress is more deadlocked, you know, bipartisan legislation is kind of a thing of the past, you know, kind of fewer and fewer districts are, are kind of swing districts. But I, but I think some of these private effects, right, that partisanship isn't just degla- degrading our public institutions, but also kind of potentially harming some of our most important private institutions like like family. You know, my, my student Ryan has um, some new work showing that the 2016 election had an effect of reversing what was a very positive trend of racial integration in Southern Baptist churches. You know, that, that, that these kinds of civic institutions are really, really important and, and to see that they're taking a hit. Um, you know, in, in kind of our current political environment, I think gives gives me a lot of like pause. Well, it, it does me as well. I, I think that it is frightening because when you when you have a breakdown of human relationships and, and part of what influenced me to create sanity was because a third of the country ended a friendship or stopped talking to a family member right in tune with some of your research as a result of the election. And when we're at a point like that, it's frightening. And so part of our, our goal at Sanity is to try to, to look at these issues, but also spotlight people who are doing something about them. My, my hope is, and, and perhaps you, you could shed a light on this, how can we use this kind of uh, somewhat disheartening data as a force for good to hopefully reverse some of these effects. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't have any magic bullet, which, which I know, which, which, which I wish I did. Um, if only you did. I mean, one thing that one thing that we can say from our research is that we're obviously kind of talking a lot in this country right now about the degree to which we can kind of, in some sense, bring down the temperature of some of the some of the kind of more kind of destructive rhetoric and fake news and, and kind of things like that. And so we're talking a lot about it in social media, at the social media level, right? Like what's Facebook and Twitter's role in, for example, kind of policing hate speech and or just kind of, you know, foreign interference and, and kind of fake news. You know, what, what you know, more broadly, like we've, we try and do a lot of things to regulate political advertising in, in many countries, right? Many countries kind of limit it to a very kind of constrained period of time. Um, right. In the United States, we, you know, we've tried some legislation, you know, there's this thing where, you know, politicians have to say, you know, I'm, you know, so-and-so and I approve this message. And the thought was, well, you know, that's going to re- you know, make them less willing to say inflammatory or, or false things. You know, what we find is that in particular, if this, because we can peg a lot of the, a lot of the degradation 
in Thanksgiving family relationships that we find on political advertising, you know, we can run these counterfactuals. If we were to kind of remove the partisanship from political advertising, maybe that's crazy, you know, we would, you know, in some sense, buy back for America over 10 million kind of cross-partisan Thanksgiving hours per year. That's a valuable thing if we can, if we can get even part of the way there. Hmm. That's an interesting concept, buying back millions, millions of hours of dinner time conversation. Hmm. I have a family that, that has a range of political beliefs, and we, we still gather together and, and appreciate each other as, as family, but this is in the air and, and I can relate to a degree. I can see, you know, we're just, we're in a much more charged environment. And even those who in the past perhaps had chosen not to be political or not to want to talk politics find themselves really having no, no, no choice, no avoidance of the matter. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, part of what kind of inspired, um, you know, is kind of my own experience of just increasingly partisan and difficult to avoid partisan issues, kind of conversations both at work and and in in extended family gatherings. And you know, I just thought, oh my god, this is this has just become such a, a kind of semi regular and and you know unavoidable and and somewhat painful kind of like part of my day to day like life. This has to be true for more people than just me. And and you know, is there something we can do? as kind of social science researchers to, to quantify that, measure it, and, you know, hopefully then start a conversation about what we can do to rectify it. It is really interesting. And it's in 2018 in particular, this is perhaps what is such a stark contrast from a, a civil war era level of discourse. We have, we have the tools at our disposal to dig deep and analyze while things are happening instead of, you know, just in written history books. If only there was a time machine yeah, yeah. I'd love to close the conversation by asking you a question that I've asked pretty much all of Sanity's guests, which is, what are you most optimistic about? What, what keeps your sanity in, uh, in 2018? Whew. Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. What am I most optimistic about? Hmm. Wow. something I'll say. So my wife and I are expecting our, our first child this February. So I've been thinking oh, a lot about, um, <laughs> thank you. We've obviously been, been talking a lot about and thinking a lot about ways that uh, our daughter is going to grow up, you know, very differently than we did, right? I, I was just getting to college and grad school when Facebook was kind of invented and kind of, you know, th- these, these kinds of things. And, and I think it's easy to worry about those things. Um, but a lot of social science research has been kind of um, and hopefully kind of telling us that we have less less reason for concern than we might have kind of worried about. There's kind of some very good research by Jesse Shapiro, Matt Gensgowans, and some of their co-authors on kind of younger generations of people who have more exposure and and have had kind of more time with, for example, social media seem less polarized by social media than than older generations. And I have, I believe that work and and I, I find it hopeful. 
I was in high school when, when Facebook really started to become pervasive in society, mainstreamed. I'm sticking with maybe the word pervasive, but, but, but it, is, <laughs> it is different. It is, it is a different world that this generation is growing up in. And I hope that they'll use social media for good in, in ways that you know, are, are positive and not destructive or isolating. Absolutely. And uh, I think we have good reason to believe that they will. So uh, <laughs> at, at, least I'm, at least I'm telling myself that so that I can sleep at night. Right, right. Well, I I'm, I'm really enjoyed this conversation and I'm excited to follow your data and see what in the past few years and in the coming years, if maybe we'll see a shift back. There are all of these guides all over, all over the internet on how to have a productive, happy Thanksgiving dinner with your family and, and <laughs> in this era. And so maybe folks will listen to this conversation while they're uh, basting their turkeys and chopping onions and getting ready for, for the big day. And hopefully we'll, we'll bond over it, not feud over it. I realized I should ask you one last question, which is where are you spending your Thanksgiving? So I'm hosting this year and uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. You know, as, as you can imagine, thanks to this research, I'm preparing not just like turkey recipes, but kind of political de-escalation recipes as well. And, and we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much again for, for your time and I appreciate it. Thank you, Audrey. I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation and uh, I look forward to more in the future. Great, thank you.